This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jetson's there. Billy did. The goal. Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello, me old China plates, and welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. <laughs> We've got a show tonight that'll be gradly music for your Toby Jags on tonight. Here's a knees up for Mother Brands Day. It's Johnny Gillespie. <laughs> he's got no Barnet, but he's no Afghanet. It's Richard Kosmala. And he was already a slag. But once he clicked through that turnstile on Saturday, he became a total slag. It's Ollie Fisher. And the <laughs> biggest James Blunt of them all, it's your host, Matt Shaw. You faded, mate, at the end. Good Yeah. Good. Yeah. Never mind. Right. <laughs> Good evening and thanks to that mysterious voiceover man and welcome to episode 169. We've won a game, boys. We've won a game. What a time to be alive. I tell you what, before we get too excited, let's go into the sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. And unfortunately, we've not had any pints, have we, tonight, Cosy? But if you do want to get some online, it's www.magicrockbrewing.com. And if you use our code of AHTTC10, you will get 10% off. Right then, let's get fired in. Millwall, nil, Huddersfield Town, one. Right, great stuff this. So uh, tactically, Neil Warnock dis- uh, deployed sort of similar tactics to what he did uh, at Burnley, believe it or not. Um, he's got two defensive midfielders in front of 
a solid back four. Uh, Jonathan Hogg and the Regista, Romani Edmonds-Green, uh, who would drop in to make a back six to really pack out the back, back line and the box. A really strong, resolute defensive performance with Romani Edmonds-Green man-marking Zian Fleming uh, and Town trying to support the front man when it, when it broke as well with Karoma uh, Radoni trying to support Martin Waggon and latterly Danny Ward with uh, Ben Jackson up there as well. Uh, it worked as well, boys, because against a side like Millwall, who don't necessarily dominate possession, um, it allowed Town to jump back in into their defensive shape and, you know, a really good backs-to-the-wall defensive performance in that first half. You know, Vatslik we'll talk about momentarily later on, but it's it felt like a different kind of performance, this, Ollie. You were there behind the, you know, behind the goal. Uh, Town have been a little bit passive, uh, in recent weeks, and this felt more like a Neil Warnock team to me. It felt more like a team that was ready to get in the opposition's faces and, and really sort of have a scrap with them. Yeah, for some reason, Warnock seems to really relish playing Millwall away. Um, he, he, I mean... Muscat vibe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what you think back to, don't you? And um, I, I think I was reading that his record at the Den's pretty good. Um, I think he kind of likes having a bit of to and fro with the crowd and whatnot. And um, yeah, if, the, if there was anyone leading us out there, that's who you'd, who you'd want it to be really. But I, um, I, I agree. I think I heard a Millwall fan say after the game, as we were walking back for the tube, that we, that we got worn up. They said we got war knocked. And I think that that's how the majority of them feel, you know, the, um, just sort of a, a typical result for them um, when they've been trying to string together a real good run of games this season, they've, they've fallen at a hurdle um, that's made them think that maybe they're not serious contenders to go up, even though they are in the playoff places. I was a bit disappointed with them. As you say, I think they're, they're used to um, letting other teams have the ball um, mm. and then trying to be more efficient and, um, and, and creative in possession rather than having to break down a block. And um, I think in, in that sense, it, it played into our hands because we were happy to let them knock it around for the first half. Um, they were the better side in that period, don't get me wrong, and they still created... Um, but I think we all felt that we needed to soak up what would be early pressure from them, which we managed to do. And then in the second half, we grew into the game. And I actually think on the balance of play in the second half, we probably did deserve to nick it. Um, and and yeah, it was a perfect Warnock performance. Like when you when you bring him back to the club, um, you look at what we've got. It's a very daunting list of fixtures uh, on paper. But what you hope is that with Warnock in charge, if he can get a tune out of the out of the players in two or three of those games, they could be 1-0 wins. You know, we could start nicking games like that. Um, so, yeah, overall, it, it was a big positive. You know, I think most of us probably thought before the game that we might concede early and get turned over. Um, but we we stuck in there and and sort of like the Norwich game, although we fell behind in that, um, if, if, you, if you're there or thereabouts and you're not out of games like we were against Burnley and we weren't against Coventry, you, you've always got a chance of nicking something. So it was a good professional performance um, and we were, we were dead organised as well. So that was good to see. Mm, there were some uh, talking points of the game as well. I think one which really got Neil Warnock's blood coursing was the uh, Jake Cooper arm on Jack Radoni. We saw ascended off against Norwich and we'll talk about the Norwich game briefly after this. Um, there's not much to talk about for that one. Um, whereby they had a man sent off for an elbow to the temple, which may be a little bit weak. This was uh, much more of a strong arm, wasn't it? Mr. Kosmala and uh, Jake Cooper <laughs> absolutely wiped out Radoni and, and free, gave a free kick against Radoni. Um, it was, it was a bit of a, a brutal one and the kind of welcome you expect, isn't it? At the dead. 
or the new den. Yeah, is it still the new den, or is it the den now? Because it's not really new anymore, is it? At least it's the den or some some like ex insert sponsor's name stadium, which everywhere else seems to have now, including our beautiful own ground. But yeah, Warnock's interview afterwards made me laugh on that as well because, like you said, I think the ref were on the wrong side of the uh, of the action. But yeah. like Warnock said, the linesman wasn't. But what are you going to put his flag up uh, at the the den as after we remember Robbie Williams' uh, efforts in the playoff <laughs> final and that as well, where uh, yeah, he couldn't get away quick enough from that sideline. Yeah, brutal, really. And to be honest, I didn't think he were getting up from that, Matt. And and he were one of our better players, Jack Rodoni. Uh, yesterday, I yeah. thought he were excellent. And a guy we've kind of maybe criticised or been frustrated with, maybe, shall we say, this season in a lot of games. But I thought he came of age yesterday and gave us a, a real good outlet, you know, uh, driving the yeah, ball forward. But, yeah, it was brutal with that, <laughs> really. But to not even get a yellow card, I mean, it made me laugh. Uh, yesterday. I don't know that the, the Twitter video that we're doing, I don't even think it was a town fan, was it? I think he just said... Championship uh, refereeing or something like that as well. This is yeah. not even a not even a yellow card, but yeah, uh, I thought, phew, yeah, I don't think he whether he went to do do him or not, or what have you. It's don't mind these days because it's all about you know what kind of impact he had. But yeah, uh, there was some real br- bruising stuff on there all afternoon, and that's so all. Sorry for Pearson, but you know what? It, Millwall away is when you need people like Matty Pearson, and uh, yeah, I sound like fathering him now, don't I, Matty Pearson? But uh, once he's great, mate. And then when he got it in the older, uh, the older grand, grand jewels. Yeah. But he just comes back for more. And, and, he, and the best thing was, it always made me laugh. It made me laugh. It almost like the ghost of Robbie Williams were being exercised because he was near the touchline. He was getting hammered from there. But he loved it, mate. He absolutely loved it. Bring it on. That Them are the kind of guys we need uh, if we've got any chance. And I have to say, it's been weird how they've used, obviously, Pearson in the last month or so. But I thought yesterday was uh, one of his uh, real better games for us. And we need that to continue if there's any chance of avoiding the drop, mate. Yeah, Johnny, there's a, you know, one of the most contentious points really was um, a potential penalty at the end of the first half. Josh Caroma just kind of wriggled through, didn't he? And I think it was McNamara, the right back, sort of got the wrong side, didn't he? And the leg came across. I, I, I saw, I watched a couple of replays on this and I was a little bit unsure. I thought maybe Caroma was on his way down before any contact was made. It just seemed like the, maybe the ball had got away from him slightly. Um, it's one of those really where you could say, if it's a penalty, you can understand it. And if it's not a penalty, you can also understand it, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think w- watching it the first time through, I don't think it was a pain. I think he almost, just the way, it's, we say it a lot, and it's the way he kind of goes down. I don't think he'd overgo it goes down too theatrically. He almost like goes down a bit pathetically, I'd say. Not not saying that he's, he's thrown himself, but he kind of just drops and like puts his arms out and just looks at the ref. And first time I watched it, I didn't think didn't think it was, but I'm watching the replay. Um and I listened to the the commentary and the the, the the stream that I had kind of said, yeah, there's contact there and went on the replay said actually probably he's been unlucky not to get the penalty. And I guess it's what you constitute penalty nowadays. How much contact's contact. I think there's a way if he if he carried on running, he, he probably would have then have been fouled. Um there wasn't anywhere really for him to put his legs down where he wouldn't do you know, be standing on or getting getting do you know, I mean, in, um blocked off by the Millwall defender. But yeah, I can see why the ref probably didn't give it, but equally I can see why Warner kind of puts it a link in his list of do you know, I mean lucky decisions that, that he refers to in his interview. So fortunately it, it didn't make a difference. Um but luckily, do you know what I mean? We got the we we got the goal, and it, it didn't matter. But yeah, I think had it had it not have been, I think a few town fans might have been slightly more 
riled or pointed to it a little bit more aggressively as do you know what I mean another another bad decision. Seem to be on the end of a lot of a lot of those. The goal itself though has come from town pressing higher up the field, hasn't it? That you know we've been like we say we've been quite passive, but this has come from pressing up from the front and the ball's gone to Ben Jackson and Ben Jackson as uh, you know playing probably in a slightly unfamiliar position, you say, as a left winger. He's more of a wing-back, full-back, isn't he, type? Or, you know, he's been playing centre-back for the under-21, or B team, as it is. Um, you know, he's he's gone down the left, and he's he's just about got ahead of his man, and he's put a really good ball in. And the strength of Ben Jackson is usually his delivery into the box. So um, it's good to see that that was, you know, a, a come to fruition, if you like. So he put the ball in. It's a really good ball. Danny Ward makes a good run to the near post, and it's a lovely finish, isn't it? And... You know, and and at the end, you know, and, and Danny Ward's got his fourth of the season. It's uh, on one hand, you kind of say, no, it's about time, Danny Ward. But on the second, it's like, thank God he finally came and, uh, and dug us out. It, come, it comes from hard work all around the pitch, that goal as well, because Kromosel's hoggy a bit short um, in, in the build-up, but he goes in for it, hoggy. It looks like he gets a bit hurt, but the ball drops and he wins it back and he then plays the ball round to Rodoni. So it comes from, like, not, not sitting off, do you know what I mean? The ball breaks. We're going to get there first. We get the ball. We, I mean, the possession switches again, and then obviously it lies, the goal is as you described, then on in. But it just come from that. I mean, front foot impetus actually wanted to do something, making things happen rather than just sitting back, being defensive minded, looking to drop back into a formation of five and four. So it it, it does show that hard work all the way around that goal. So it's quite it's quite nice to watch back and see it. Well, in for a Millwall popular. God, I couldn't believe it. If you had. Uh... Got it out. It was a horrendous goal from now. Obviously, with a town pocket, so we were buzzing. Mm. What a shocking goal was for them. The big thing is for me, Danny Ward seems to me like 35% fit. You remember, he used to play the football manager on the Spectrum, the dinosaurs. Yeah, he used to have a grad players that are like, <laughs> like 50%. And but you used to stick him in because you knew they could maybe do something because all the other players were pants. And what it sounded like again from what Warnock was saying after that, Ward were nowhere near. So for him to be there, and, and obviously, Wagon kind of he went off injured. and he had no choice. He played, he played well, did Wagon as well, didn't he? To be fair to him, he had a good, yeah, good first half. And he liked my tweet as well, which was great. Which, uh, which <laughs> so he's a favourite now, isn't he? <laughs> I'm an influencer, Matt, you know, as, uh, as everyone knows. But no, what a finish, though. Fantastic. And you know what? You're always hoping, at you, in them games that you can stick in there and get that one chance. But, you know, town, we hardly create anything. So you're thinking maybe best is getting nil, nil, but even that ain't good enough. But my words are that you guys behind the goal when that went in, it were like, Peak uh, playoff scenes at Luton when Sinani smashed that in it, where everyone were going nuts. It was like a release of happiness and QPR, Millwall. Have we got any other London games to come yet? Reading don't count. Oh no, we're at home. What, what for Watford? Um, yeah. We do well in this purple shirt, London, mate. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that QPR game were hilarious as well. It feels like um, feels like London's been kind to us, doesn't it? But um, yeah, it was as you say, like an outpouring of emotion. Um, you know, you hear all these records doing the rounds on Twitter about teams that have gone X amount of games without a goal. And obviously we're not quite that bad, but we've been we've been pretty shocking, haven't we, this season in terms of in terms of scoring even multiple goals in a game. Um and then uh, going away from home to a team where they'd say clean sheets were their bread and butter. And you know, they pride themselves on their organization and and um and and not letting anything fall to the opposition in the box. And as you say, I thought I, I thought our goal were really soft from their point of view. I mean, for Ward to get in that much space at the near post and for them to have surrendered possession so deep in their own half and on the flank as well, where you think, you know, this can't really turn into something dangerous. But might be onto something with Jackson there, because if 
if Warnock doesn't really trust his defensive abilities or maybe his positioning um, for, for him to be starting over Ruffles at left-back, but he likes what he sees from him going forward and his delivery can be a real threat, um, then, then maybe we might see more of it. Um, I thought it was a strange team in general, but it got the job done. And, and that's where Warnock earns his money. You know, it, it might yeah. sometimes be unorthodox. but You're right, you're right Ollie. We're like a strange mm. team. When, when the BBC put out the formation, because I think they, they were put, I think it put him, where, where did they put him? Like kind of centre central. And, and I think he's never going to play. That central can, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But so I think everyone, but in that classic Neil Warnock, just kind of throwing a few curveballs, which, which is what we need because we ain't got. The squads are decimated with injuries. It's not, it's pretty predictable. And, and most of our stuff's been predictable. Maybe it just needs something like that. And what Ben Jackson yeah. always give you, which really frustrated me, I'll follow him, kind of throws him out uh, after giving that in the early games. He's just like, he's going to give you energy and he's going to give you 110%. And that's, I don't know if it's another sure boy, Ben Jackson, or. No, it's from Stockport. Stockport. Well, there goes my uh, one of our <laughs> songs. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's just going to keep running and running, running and energy. And, and some of our, most of our games, everything's very drab and slow. So, yeah, it was beautiful to see him get involved and could, hopefully, yeah, keeps this up for the uh, for the running. He put yeah, a great, really he put a great, one of his the good things he did against Norwich game, no comments, he put a great ball in that Norwich game as well. So, I think, like you say, and he, he, we know he's got a shot on him. So, being in and around the area, he is a bit of danger and he's a player who can hit a 30 yarder and that might be all we need in a game like that to kind of dig something out. I think for me, it's like we touched on the QPR game there. And that was a bit of like the types of games we need to be winning, where you're not expecting. We've now we now we now need to go on a run. And the QPR game for me, because it kind of came out of the blue, I was thinking, is this it? Is this now where so I mean, we start to turn it around? And obviously it wasn't. And then we had the two games over Christmas, Preston and Rotherham. We think, right, now this is it. I mean, first back to back, the only time we've done it all season. Is it now that we start to turn? And then the Birmingham game, you kind of think, right, one first game win. Is it now we start to turn? So. We need. It has to be now. It it can't be another false dawn to hope. Like it's like I said earlier, it's just a shame that it's in Borough. will be late, mate. But but thing is though, you, it's it's that weird time of season where you start to get a bit of pressure. You start to realise right, we're eight games away now. We're about to achieve something. We can do something. Equally, you get teams where they can't either through being a mid table, they can't or they guarantee playoffs. So it's pressure. It's pressure at this time of season. So. Borough will be tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say it's an easy one, but I mean, there's every chance. There's every chance now. Um, but hopefully, like I say, this isn't just another false dawn. But yeah, we probably could play you a better team than. You Borough. know what, Johnny? John, I I think this week off is going to be good for us, and and it'd be easy to think. I wish we had another game because when we got battered uh, the other week, one we're glad we had uh, kind of you know Bristol on the on the Tuesday. But we've got a lot of players kind of we're nursing through, not kind of fit. Maybe you know one or two can can get fit in this off. See then we can yeah we can hopefully you know he's clever as one on the t- training mm. as well he, he kept mentioning a lot of stuff on, on again the interview were really interesting like you know what what they were working on on training and things that you know they were kind of doing and that as well but yeah I think really really interesting uh, time because for me I, I kind of felt it had gone gone a few weeks ago and I know we'll come on to the Bristol game in a minute but it was surreal it was almost like. Uh, Go to a, a funeral on Tuesday night. I've never seen anything like it in the town centre. I, I, I thought, is there even a game on? There were no one about. They were flat as a fart, you know. And and, and like kind of Warnock's interviews have been a bit downbeat for me and stuff, and almost kind of like he's kind of resigned to it. So just to get that 
Philip, Matt, I was gutted yes last night when you put when Mel Booth got tagged in that Philip post and he didn't <laughs> comment on it. I, I would. Just... Oh, he doesn't look at Twitter that much, but he'll he'll yeah. get there eventually. Yeah, because like it's honestly you'd think the belief. I know, like you said, Johnny, we've had these false dawns before, but to go there and, and to bust a few coupons, I was speaking to a few people today at work who. What, what are you looking at me like? I thought you knackered my coupon up yesterday. I'm like, get in there. But it's like, Jesse, you're yeah, yeah it's, it's great. And and I think it gives someone like me a boost, a fan base a boost, because I don't know what it were like down there, only kind of chatting to guys. But to me, it kind of felt done. We were down. I know you should never give anything up. Uh, Rick Astley, uh, are you watching, mate? But I just like, it just felt whatever kind of thing yesterday but now all of a sudden isn't it amazing football you win it's just like Cuddersfield though isn't it it's just like Cuddersfield mm-hmm. when, you, when you're about to give up put it to bed and just yeah. I mean you get get that I mean, worry out your head and just think right okay well at least I can deal I know what's going to happen I can start yeah. to I mean, mourn grieve three points you there you go hills, not yeah. over yet bring that hope back up oh. it's, it is oh. typical town. do you know what the annoying thing is though the, the annoying thing for me there Johnny you mentioned some of the games where you think this could be the turning point I mean the QPR game was a complete fluke we got absolutely battered that game uh, Rotherham were really bad that day and then the, some of the other games were you know they could have gone either way this felt like a team in the opposition's faces and a little bit of control and a little bit of tactical nous about them it just felt a little bit different to this win I know we probably felt that at the time about the others and the Birmingham one felt a little bit different but this just felt a little bit different a little bit more organized like all of a sudden heads were up because heads have been down for a long time and it just it's a real a really massive win this and like you say you're very right we now have to go and you know it's no it's no good you know putting one of these in every two three months we now have to back this up with another one and Middlesbrough are incredibly tough um but you know, maybe it doesn't have to come against Middlesbrough. Maybe a good performance, and then the game after we can we can go again. But it's it's put the cat amongst the pigeons. Reading are going to get points deducted. Apparently, we're hearing this week. Birmingham may, Wigan may. So you know, keep it, them coming. It, it, yeah, keep them coming. Hopefully, <laughs> someone else can get. Yeah, hopefully everyone else can get thirty <laughs> points deducted, and we might get in the top six. It'll be great. But, but yeah. yeah, and and what you need as well is you need players stepping forward, don't you? When when it comes to this time of the season, you need players putting themselves above the parapet, you know, and really uh, striving to push, you you know, across the line. And there's, there's two players that I've picked out and we'll do another one. But one that I want to speak about a little bit is Cosy's uh, mate, Thomas Vatslick. Um, when he came, we probably weren't very kind to him after the first few games because he just looked so sluggish, didn't he? He looked incredibly unfit. Uh, the last two or three games, he's come back in Bristol City. I thought he was tremendous that first oh. half against Bristol City. He was good at Norwich. Uh, a little bit, again, at Norwich, I thought it felt at one point he might have had a bit of a, a knock at one stage. Again, yesterday, four big saves from, well, not massive, but four saves from Thomas Vatslick has kept Millwall out. And he seems to add a certain calmness as well now in the back line. Now there seems to be an understanding there and there seems to be, you know, and, and it's about the uh, the distance between the the back four and the goalkeeper uh, with a young goalkeeper. Sometimes that varies and it can cause issues, but there's a, a real sort of asymmetry, if you like, uh, coming in with the goalkeeper and the back line. And it's now starting to feel like there's an understanding developing and there's a little bit more confidence and solidity. And I think Vaslik now has to kind of have his head held high after the last sort of, couple of weeks and we can sort of say you know three four more of these performances and you can comfortably say do you know what that was a decent sign in January when you say cos because you were you were big yeah, on that I'm slip, the you? machine but obviously I remember Pete <laughs> when he when he won the Europa League and 
in two seasons when Sevilla finished fourth. He was sensational, mate. But so it was really sad to see almost like the guy that we got uh, for many of them games, that Stoke game when he were off and, you know, other games as well. So, yeah, like I say, he is, he's, he's sometimes kind of a shot stopping. He pushes stuff for me kind of straight back out, which is kind of a bit risky, but you can't, can't knock what he's done. You know, Richard Games, like you say, and we're lucky really to have a keeper of that ilk, I think, uh, on on the books really, because I won't want a young kind of, as I mentioned, Schofield before, but, and to be fair, Belokovic did a job, but I yeah, thought after well. the game, Matt, he would have been shot. So I was kind of hoping that Batchley would kind of come. You back. need a bit of experience, don't you? You need in for this yeah. kind of running. You need just need a, a been there, done that kind. Yeah, of no, practice. definitely, and it, and it's good as showing what it can do. And fingers crossed. I think the interesting thing going back to what you were saying, Johnny, like that kind of running is these other teams have all got a, a win to get into the playoffs. So it's it's good that we're not going to be playing. Oh, God, the famous last words, but. Teams are going to be coming for us. So, in a way, like Millwall, uh, you know, came out as yesterday, you're going to be getting this at the stadium all the time with these other teams that are playing Blackburn are going to have to win. Sheffield are going to have to win. The points are no good enough for them. So, that I think we're probably better trying to kind of hit teams rather than trying to dictate stuff because we just haven't got that kind of team. So, it's the, the running's horrible. I'd swap it with everyone else. Probably, I think someone said Rotherham's got a shocking running, but it is, uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. But there's all back now. and. Honestly, like you say, it's just it kills you, mate. It kills you. Funny, oh, isn't it? Because it I feel you. like I feel like the the phrase that I heard the most, probably prior to the Norwich game, but certainly has been the last few days, is we won't win another game this season. Yeah, I you know was... that's what people were saying. Like that's how bad our running was and how hopeless we looked. Like we looked like we couldn't score a goal, um, let alone hold on to it and then win win another game. But it does bring a bit of the hope back. And one of the things that struck me about Warnock, when he first arrived and, and he was asked about the differences between the salvage job with us and what he did at Rotherham, and so it was quite alarming. He said there's no leaders here compared to what he had at Rotherham. And you look at that Rotherham squad that he inherited and think, who is he talking about who's a leader? But I think that as the weeks go on, as the games tick by, he's finding out more and more about who he can rely on in these situations, you know, to, to dig us out of the hole that we're in. And I think that there were a lot of personality about that performance yesterday. Um, we've seen far better town teams go uh, to the den and get turned over routinely, um, both at League One and, and at Championship level. Um, so to produce a performance like that, to dig in and show such fight and to have players playing pretty much unfit, but still putting in a hell of a shift, it, it does give you a bit of hope. And um, I think it's important that we've got that because, you know, otherwise we'd be dwelling on the negativity going into the international break and all the rumours would still be swirling about whether we're going to get points deduction from admin and all that. And it just it just switches the narrative a little bit to, can we? Can we really? Yeah, the stadium, Fish. it's going to be absolutely rocking for that Middlesbrough game because obviously they're going to come down there, you know, Christopher Wade, Warnock against his old team. There's going to be media building up to it. The, the town fans, I think, will pour back in where a lot of them maybe are kind of given up on it and that as well. It just, I, I think that game, it's someone tweeted me last night said it right. So we just, just let's get that stadium absolutely bouncing for that. But again, it probably won't be enough and they might have too much. But, but you know what? Could we? I do think there's, there's, four, there's four games in there that you can realistically target and say, with with a little bit of hope, but actually they are winnable. It's got to be the Cardiff game, yeah. absolutely. The Reading game, last game of the season, if we can't do something at home, we don't deserve to stay up. The Sunderland away game, because I think by then, they're more than likely going to be done. Um, so I'm not saying they'll be on the beach, but I think we've got more to play for. And I think we, they are still beatable. They did absolutely nothing out of it. It's not one of the games that I walked out thinking we're done. 
we can't get anything out of that game. Mm. Um, and the Swansea game, for, for similar reasons, I think I think they'll be safe by then, well, they probably already are after today's result. So there's four games there, I think, realistically, without being too blue and white tinted glasses, we could get something. You've got to hit 100% success right out of those. And then potentially, you look at the Sheffield United game, where will they, where, when, where, when will that be? And might they be done by then? So there's there's a few in there. Um, granted, I'd probably swap it, but it's, there's, given yesterday's result um, and then what happened with Cardiff and Rotherham, there's, there's absolutely a realistic opportunity. Whereas after that, that Norwich first half, I thought so you may as well just oh. pay out now. Yeah. I mean, that first half was as bad as I've ever known for billions of years. I know you always the worst this and the worst that. I've... Right, let's let's roll back. We'll come back to Norwich soon. We, we're going off track a little bit there. I just wanted to wrap up really the, the Millwall game. And Ollie, I wanted you to mention, you know, you talk about characters there. I wanted you to talk about Tom Lees as well, because Tom Lees was was heroic really yesterday, wasn't he? That You know, 11 clearances, one massive block. Helix got seven clearances. Just Lees was sort of just a bit of a man mountain. He's only... What, 5'11 for a centre-back? Yeah. And he was just colossal, wasn't he? That block was was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, that, yeah. And that's why you talk about sort of, you know, put your body on the line um, figuratively, but quite literally. Um, I've been one of Lee's biggest critics this season because I I think what we got from him last season, um, probably in a setup that protected him a little bit more, but I think what we got from him was above average, you know, in terms of his general performance level throughout his career. And then this season he'd regressed. There were some games where I just thought it's not the same player that we're watching. Um, But when you have experienced pros like that um, and and you have players that, um, that know what is required to, to go to places like that and get a result and that performance yesterday, I mean, he, he was, potentially man of the match for me. I've seen Helix got in the team of the week and I thought I thought he was fantastic as well. But um it, it was just it was superb. It's one of them like as a centre back you can have those games where it feels like everything falls to you. And it's not necessarily out of luck. It's because you you're doing the right things. You're in the right positions. You're snuffing out the danger. And it was one of them where things seemed to really follow him. But every single time he, he responded he responded well. Um and it, it, he was probably the standout in a defensive unit that that was just generally excellent. Um, I really did not think that we had that in us, you know, especially when they switched uh, switched approach from what they were doing in the first half, trying to sort of knock it around and break us down to uh, the sort of aerial bombardment that, that came uh, in, in the last 15, 20 minutes that were always going to come. Everything that came in was dealt with and we, we just didn't look in danger at all, really. Um, you you, all, you almost felt like if they were going to get that equalising goal, it was going to come from something lucky. Um, but yeah, thankfully it never came. And and um, fair fair play to Tom Lee's. We few more performances like that between now and the end of the season, and you give yourself a much better chance. Johnny, I think it's we haven't had this have we for a bit of a for a, well quite a long time now, but I think it's time, isn't it? <laughs> The conch has blown, Johnny. Josh Caroma. Um, it, like I said, it's been quite a while since we uh, we almost renamed the conch, didn't we, to the Headley Horn, which would have been a shame <laughs> if we able to do that. Um, I thought Josh Caroma was superb. Absolutely superb. I think one of the things that maybe he gets criticised for, and quite rightly, is him going back in the other direction defensively. Uh, he can often let his man go a little bit. But, you know... Against Norwich, we showed it in flashes where he came back and I think he stopped and tacked by Josh Sargent, didn't he? But 
on Saturday it was it was phenomenally good and people are sort of looking going where's Joseph Hungbo why is Joseph Hungbo not playing he's not playing because Josh Karoma's played really well the last couple of games and Hungbo will come again he's a good player but at the minute Josh Karoma's really one of the uh, you know in terms of a wide player is probably one of the first names first names on the team sheet because if he can run backwards as well as he's, he can forward uh, and then you've always got that goal threat with him as well, haven't you? I'm, I'm not a massive fan of him on the right-hand side as opposed to the left because you take away his his main weapon, don't you, where he cuts in and just absolute thunder mm-hmm. bastards one in the in the far corner. But for me, he was he was excellent. I thought Roman Emmons-Green was really good as well in midfield. But Josh Karoma, for me, was was up there, really, with with one of our, our better you know, better players in the day. And long may this continue. Yeah, I'd agree. And it, it had to be because it had he have, like you say, not stuck to his role, not listened to instructions or, I mean, trapped back or, or picked up men or recognised what he needed to do defensively, um, it would have been a massive error. It would have been a massive gap that uh, Millwall could have hit. So he, he had to do that. Um, and Warwick's relied into that as well. It's not, it's not really something we've, we've necessarily seen. We know we know Thomas could, could play that role really well, um, attacking and, and, and could defend. That's arguably kind of how he I mean, broke into the team really in that right wing back position. We've not really necessarily seen it of, of Corona, and there's been points. I mean, we probably didn't think we'd see him in the township again. Um, but when he kind of came back to the club in January, he, he kind of had good points and bad points, and you, you kind of could point to the to the Blackpool game really where he had the goal, but then equally kind of struggled defensively for for their goals. Kind of came down his side, so he'd, he'd been a bit indifferent doing that. Um, and like I say, when the team was released, he tried to work out where everyone was playing him. Most people got got it wrong. Um, he quickly recognised where he was playing. Thought we've well, got to work hard today because otherwise it, it, it could come to come to bite us. And he, he did. He played really really well. Um, and like you say, he's another player. I think clearly um, confidence plays a big part of his game. I think we've seen that with the chroma that do you know what I mean was was tipped to maybe leave the club, um, and the chroma that might might well have never played for the field again. I think we've seen both sides of Josh Chroma, and he's definitely got it in there. Um, and he can be an asset. Again, he's a player who can cut inside and do something special. Um, a lot of the players we've got are quite attritious. They're good at what they do, but they've not necessarily got a little bit of quality. Josh Crum is one of those players who who can do that. So it's important to have him, him firing. And like I said, there have been a few calls for Hungbo. And he's quite obvious. Why? Because he's quite a powerful player. He's quick, he's pacey. But to play in that role, if Warren looks to kind of use this as a bit of a blueprint for other games, certainly that we've got coming in, um, like you say, Chrome has got to be the first name on the team sheet, given what he needs to do going going backwards as well as forward. So yeah, I thought he played really well. Um and he's 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 improving um week on week at the moment. So hopefully long may it continue. Right, I think that bookends the uh, the Millwall performance. So uh, what we'll do is we'll move into a short break and then we'll come back and talk about something else. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Posse, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, welcome back to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. So, um, Town Norwich, so it's been two games this week. Uh, Town 1, Norwich 1. I'm not really sure what to say about this game because the first half was... A bit crap, really. <laughs> it was so pedestrian and passive, and Norwich just danced around us, didn't they? It was it was a really bizarre first half. It was almost like there was the threat of administration looming. The players looked like they'd maybe not quite given up, but they they really weren't with it, were they? It was it was strange, and um, there was no fans in the ground. Um, I didn't go. It's my wife's birthday. Managed to get back in time to watch the game, which was great on the red button, <laughs> but. It was, Cosa, you, you were there. You were absolutely slaughtered by uh, using your own words, yeah, singing, your, singing your heart out in the, in that end. And you, I think you tweeted something along the lines of you thought that was one of the worst first halves you'd seen for 30 years. I think a good gauge, Matt, is when you go behind the back of the, the south stand and see how many people are having a beer. I think that's always a gauge of how time performing. That Premier League uh, second season, we've never seen concourses as busy 20, 30 minutes in, but... He was pathetic. I went with a Norwich fan season card holder down there and he was saying, I was like, mate, I don't even want to go. I'm only going because he was going for something we planned for work for a bit. I wasn't asked. It was a cold night. I thought, let's, uh, yeah, I'd rather watch it at home. But I went for him and that as well. And, and we walked down and uh, he was honestly really sad. Uh, other shows were incredible. So I went into Harvey's uh, before the game and this one be happened. was the game up night. And I think that sums you up. The, the place, the towns are absolutely falling out of love with it with the club and, and it was sad walking down unbelievable Matt. I mean, you, and the king the king was back coming back as well i think some people just yeah. came back just to glance at the king didn't they and weird that that was another thing as well they weren't really uh i mean i didn't expect to love him or, or most but they would have anything really with him and it, and it was really odd and yeah the first half it was unbelievable it was almost whatever we're looking at each other thinking is this really playing out in front of his uh in front of his eyes there was absolutely nothing and it was inevitable they were going to take the lead and they did and you know, I think the funniest thing of the night, and I still laugh about it now, I thought, obviously, the trouble is with that south stand, you, anything at the other end, you haven't got a Scooby-Doo what is going on. And whether that's I've had 10 pints or no pints, it always seems to be the same. And as I get older, it ain't going to change. But I'm going, why go like, water, girl, water, love, incredible. Some quality out of that. I, I tried to think if I said it, I didn't listen back to that voice note I put for Brady's uh, podcast. But, and when I watched it, <laughs> the next day when I'd sobered up, no shots until we scored it's like and unbelievable that that about summed it up for me but even then though Matt when we scored I'm thinking which way is this going to go and and there were absolutely nothing from town again but I thought Norwich were really bad they were really really poor how did they go on yesterday by the I didn't see their score they drew did they they drew they looked, they, they didn't have much to offer, to offer against us. They were average. And I was just thinking, could we go on and nick it amazingly? But we didn't. But yeah, so much to sadness, really. Just the town centre were empty. The stadium were empty. The performance was dreadful. And like you said, Matt, I just, whether the looming 
administration and, and you, you're seeing stuff on Twitter like because obviously that administration thing a lot of people were were buying it and that it were happening and well if the team's giving up why should we be care and stuff and I don't know what it gave out as the fake crowd and, and that's well but for 18 me 18 on a ticket sold yeah, Norwich brought a good following which they always do but eight and yeah. a half good, good club Norwich isn't it? yeah good club um yeah I think the only real thing I enjoyed I enjoyed obviously scoring a goal was nice you know getting the equalizer uh Wagga uh, Karoma again yeah, I don't know if that was quick thinking or whether it was just a clearance. I'm not entirely sure, but he's played that ball early, hasn't he? And it's gone to Martin Wagon, and Wagon has, you know, he's taken that really well. Unfortunately, for him, it does hit the post and then hit Grant Hanley and go in, so it does go down as an own goal. But um, like I say, we've seen improvements from Martin Wagon this week as well, which is really pleasing to see because. I did go in quite heavy on him at the end of the transfer window, him and Camberry, um, but. Well, exactly, Florian. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say, my the thing I enjoyed the most was uh, Brahima Diara's cameo, and I, I felt that that kind of changed the uh, tail end of the game. And uh, Jack Radoni uh, got into a couple of good positions, um, shots going over and blocked, uh, and Michael Hellick rolled back the uh, the years. If you remember Michael Heffley against QPR, where he went on that mad run down the left hand side and played the one two. I think it might be with Chris Lerver. And he and it all just opened up for a minute, and he thought this was going to be one of the greatest goals of all time, where Heffley rifles it in, and then he ends up falling over. But Helic was kind of similar, wasn't he? he? Kind of, it came on his left foot, and he sort of ran around it, didn't he, to try and open up his right foot, and it just, unfortunately, you can see Helic's not a striker. But I thought Helic was was fantastic as well in, in midweek. He's he's head and shoulders my player of the season. He's Helic. I know, I think people criticised him on the goal a little bit, but I felt that was more down to to Ruffles. I think at the far post, but and and not to dare out Josh Ruffles because he's been much better this last week as well from from what we've seen. So there's been marked improvements all over the pitch. But Brahima Diara was so exciting. I think after the game, I tweeted that he's either like an electric eel or a pigeon stuck in a crisp packet, isn't he? And you know, when the pigeon gets stuck in a crisp packet, it's like where are we going? Where are we going? I've got no idea what's happening. And then. Uh, but an electric eel, and he was the electric eel, wasn't he? He was, he was all over the place. He was running from deep. He was taking people on. He just looked so threatening. And when Diar is like that, there's no one more exciting in the squad, is there? Uh, you can maybe, maybe Hungbo, but you know, it's it's fantastic to watch a young player really try and take the game by the scruff of the neck and go, do you know what? I've, you know, I've only got a couple of appearances under my belt, but you know, sack this. I'm going to have a go at this, and it was. I think that I think that ten minutes was the most enjoyable ten minutes for for some time, Johnny. Well, in terms yeah, of <clears throat> excitement for town. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I don't quite know where the entire second half performance came from, really. Um, but certainly, yeah. Um, we've again a bit like Crow. We've seen we've seen the good, the bad, bad, and the ugly from Diara. And I think Joe, if someone if someone can get hold of him and just really channel his talent. Um, in his enthusiasm for, for football and get him on the right, not the right path as in like he's a bad egg. I mean, just to actually coach him really well. There's a player in there who could really go on um, <clears throat> and do really good things. But like I say, it's just that direction and decisions and, and, and reading of a situation. I think that he needs to bring into his game a bit more. But yeah, he is exciting, isn't he? Um, he's a good last 10 minute, 15 minute player in, in the right game. Um, and I yeah. think the Norwich game was the right game for him because they were very slow and like wanted to pass around the back. He, even at 1-1, he had looking to the right to see the fans and they were absolutely fuming. I thought, we've been there. We've, we've been there, pass around the back with, with Wagner. Um, and we had the impetus. I mean, they were, we created chances. They, they were 
we were, if anyone was going to set, get a second goal, it was us. But I think, yeah, he's a great player to have. Um, and like say, whether we whether we get a bit more out of him over the next kind of eight games, or whether he kind of comes on and just and just does that, he's someone again we can throw on, and he's going to cause players problems. If you've got eighty minutes of the game in your legs, and you see him coming on, and you'll know about him because he'll be someone that other teams will definitely be talking about um, as an impact sub. Um, you're going to be a bit concerned. You're going to be a bit worried because he has got the ability to be quick in and out and get round players and, and carry the ball. He's probably the best ball carrier we've arguably got um, certainly since Lewis O'Brien left the club. So again, he's unique. He's a bit different. And if we can, I mean, if we can get someone who can really put a lot of time into him, there is there is a real player there. Um, and he's exciting. Just don't bring him on at one nil up. At Hull, like a hole, like a hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got nothing else to say about the Norwich game because it was that good. Um, I don't know if anybody else has. Cosy, Ollie. I just want to say something a little bit, um, a little bit sentimental and personal to me. But um, starting to my dad, um, who's a town fan, he's probably 150 by now. He's had a season ticket for about 100 years. But um, he, he took really ill. So the Norwich game was really special for me because it's the first time we've both been able to go to a game together um, this year. So ah, nice. whether we got beat or not, we didn't get beat. But for me, it was quite nice to go to the next one again. So just uh, all a little the best shout out. To Senior us, Gillespie. Mm. He's a good man. He was at our uh, end of season due last year, wasn't he? And he, he was, yeah. And Bra- Brady almost uh, ended he's up still, he's still not over. He's still not over that uh, joke dropping absolutely flat. <laughs> I got it. I got it. A Brady, Brady <laughs> were about to scrap with him, weren't he? Yeah, yeah, Brady. Maybe an argument for another day, but the red button's uh, killing the midweek football, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know, I think if there wasn't the red button, you'd still get loads of people IPTV in it these days. I think it's just one of I those think things. They're doing that themselves, aren't they, to be fair? Yeah, town are killing the. <laughs> um, yeah, I do agree. I think red button does doesn't help, does it, in terms of attendances? Because it it does give you an excuse to not go, doesn't it? Um, I mean, they're trying their best to make the red button stuff unwatchable, though, aren't they? Like yeah, now, the single Sky, camera feeds are crap, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand it because obviously they don't show replays on the on the red button, but when a goal goes in, and they can show replay of the goal on Gillette Soccer, whatever. So they clearly have the replay capacity, but they won't use it for the. I think that's in the studio, though, isn't it? I think it's yeah, just it is, a single yeah, feed that it goes shows that to they can. Office, it yeah. shows that they can get they've the got it. clip yeah, and use got it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think um, there's all kinds of studies that have been done about you know um, sort of television rights and what would happen if they got rid of the blackout, for example. Um, but I still think the biggest determining factor is uh, if your football team's any good or not. You know, if things if things are going well, you want to go, don't you? It becomes a social occasion. You go with mates, you have a few beers, or however you choose to experience the game. Uh, you you actually feel up for it. Like like Saturday, I mean, it'd have been very easy to, even though it's a close game for me, um, it's not for many many people, and yet there was still over five hundred turned out despite a rail strike. Um, and and I thought right. that that were a good, that I thought that were a great turnout, and it was a good loud crowd. I think people sort of saw it as an opportunity to come down to London, maybe spend the weekend. Um, so you can make all kinds of arguments either way about what TV coverage is doing to football, but um, but yeah, I, I think they're getting rid of the blackout, aren't they? Um, I think I think to be fair, it's it's impacted away attendances as well. I think Towns away following used to be fantastic, didn't it? It used to have really good numbers, and I think I do know a lot of people have got IPTV and do now tend to try and find a stream rather than going to one or two games a season. But no names, no names. It's interesting. It's a bit off topic, but um. The National League this year have started streaming um, games home and away, um, which is the first kind of tier at that level to do it. 
Um, and the, the chairman of the National League, I can't remember his name, was actually on the Prize Football podcast on Friday. They talked quite a lot around that um, as a study. How has it affected attendances? And it's, it's, it's had actually zero, again, it's a small sample size, but zero effect on attendances at, at that level. But obviously it's an extra revenue stream as well. So we're a long way off that because obviously EFL football is a, a much bigger package, a lot more zeros involved than, than BT and National League. But if anyone's interested in that specifically, it's quite an interesting interview and, as a study, really. I think it was kind of finishing the Norwich game, though. It was a scary look in the future for me. An empty town centre, an empty stadium, a shit atmosphere. You know, Norwich put a good form, so you can't really say no way. But we don't want to see it. We don't want to be seeing that next season, and we'll see that a lot. So... Whatever happens in the next few weeks with the new owners who take over and everything, they they've got to get people interested again in Unsure Town. Like I say, all a, a winning team helps, and I'm sure the result yesterday is going to get more down against Middlesbrough. Obviously, they'll bring a you know they'll sell up their end, but it's it made me sad seeing that, and I'm just thinking, is this where it's all going to end up? So let's just hope we can scramble out a bit more. Right. So I think the next um, the next topic is indeed the takeover. So. Um... I might just have a little monologue on this for for a moment, but yeah. So Alan Dixon's released another story uh, today, saying that we need to agree a takeover shortly, otherwise Dean Hoyle will have to provide further funding. Um, it gets to this stage of the season, and every club I think has to provide funding or proof of funding for next season going forward. So uh, I guess we're we're at a bit of a crossroads with the takeover, and a decision will, will need to be made shortly as to whether it's happening or whether uh, Dean's going to push on next season so uh, if you listen to rumours and Alan Nixon then um, it's between a, a Dutch and an American party uh, everything I'm saying or going to say is is already out on social media and forums etc so I won't be breaking anything uh, exciting and new unfortunately if you are listening to this um, but I'd like to cast our minds back to 2019 uh, we interviewed Dean didn't we Cosy on the podcast and he mentioned that he had at that time, a number of different options where he could have sold the club and he wanted to move on from the club um, and, you know, to be finished with it. In the end, he sold to Phil. And the deal to Phil, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, didn't end particularly well. And Dean is back, still owed money. Uh, to be blunt, it was a mistake. Now, there are two parties, allegedly, um, we Like I say, we can't say too much about them, but from what's already out there, from what we understand, it's between a wealthy Americans and uh, a Dutch shoemaker uh, and the, you know, from, from Altmar. Um, I'd implore Dean Hoyle to not repeat any mistakes from 2019. The, the Dean Hoyle legacy will be determined not by the Premier League period of 2017-19, but in what shape he leaves the club and who he moves it on to. So, Unlike in 2019, it's so important that the decision is made for the fans and for the football club. Dean's full tenure up to 2019 moved the football club on immeasurably from where it was in 2008. The last few years have been muddy, yes, but a sale to someone who will invest in the football club, the fans, the stadium, and move this football club forward will define the Dean Hoyle era for me. Dean Hoyle called himself uh, a custodian of fans' dreams, didn't he? If we're sold to somebody with little interest for the supporters of the club, then it's a custodial failure. Simple as that. Huddersfield Town has the potential to move forward with purpose. And even if it's not Dean himself moving the club forward, he will be a large part of that, having put the club in the right pair of hands. So for me, I hope that the fans and the club's best interests are represented by the sale. 
And it's that which will define for me how Dean is judged in the future and not from what he's done in the past. Um, and that's all I really wanted to say on the take up. I might have to overlay some over, yeah, but lovely um, emotional. I'll tell you that's, one thing, sorry, just on the, on the transfer embargo, I had to kind of laugh. It's a shame that didn't come in in January, innit, for us uh, with the garbage that we've uh, brought in, wasn't it? They've done us a favour, wasn't it? That, but yeah, definitely right, Matt. It's, I was just, it was just dawning on me today, just like kind of seeing that Alan Nix thing and, and having to think about things. But we've never had foreign ownership in Usual Town, ever, have we? And it's happening. And a lot of people will be like, hallelujah and stuff. But all I could think is, I think trouble is stuff swirling around in my mind. I think in Charlton, Jesus Christ, look what's happened down there. And But yeah. then obviously you had the alarm at Hull, which it ended in tears. But they had, a few, it's, honestly, it could go either way. But it's, it sounds like it's imminent. Fingers crossed it's still a championship club when the new people come in. But the thing is, Matt, it's like, for me, it's the new lease. It's really lacking, isn't it? Something where also we had the uh, Baldwin interview, was it in October? I can't remember when it was, but it's just, it's, it's imp- the number of times when Dean like, did them Q&As and obviously people came down to Canal Side back in the day and when he did stuff on Radio Leeds and people... It's, it's massive all that, Matt. It's massive the the message and things. And people can say, yeah, it's you know, it's just all about the money. And Christ, the, this new owners are going to have to fuck out X amount for the stadium before they come in. But to me, it's just kind of. I remember the you know Phil got off to an horrible start, didn't he, with that cinema thing that he did, and you know he came in and he probably admitted. Well, he did admit it to us, didn't he? Like that he came in with you know kind of... Went a bit overboard, didn't he? Yeah. The Premier League, wasn't it? If anyone's sat here, that's gone and all that. It's like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this, this is incredible. He went to get guys on side here, but I know he was saying he would be in Tufel, but it's it's sort of fascinating. You look at Wrexham, you kind of where it's gone down there and they're, they're on this amazing journey, obviously, you know, <laughs> a bit of a unique case down there, but it's, ownership's absolutely huge, Matt, and does, I don't know, the AZ Altmar sounds like it's kind of, you know, number one in, in the list. I don't know if anyone knows a bit about these guys, but it's like Altmar are not exactly a, I mean, obviously PSV and Ajax dominate that, you know, Dutch league and, and final. Yeah, look, I, know, I think the top. But it's like, where, where? Not, yeah. yeah, the thing is with, what, with the what, Dutch what league. Get out of it, Matt. It's going to be fascinating because to me, Huddersfield is, it's an hard one, but I suppose Burnley have shown, Brentford have shown, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating times, isn't it? What's, whatever happens here. Ollie, anything to... Um, no, I just, just want to echo what, what you said there. I think everybody's going to have their own um, their own view um, on, on Hoyle and, and how he's judged when he eventually does, uh, does leave the club. Um, you get two differing extremes, don't you? You know, you see people who will stick up for him no matter what, and you see the people who... Um, rightly call out his failings um, and the truth may be somewhere in between. I, I don't know. I I, ju- I hope one day, and it'll probably never happen because of all the non-disclosures and stuff, but I hope one day there's a very uh, good and honest book written about um, about Hoyle's time at town because it, it is incredible to me that it seems to have it seems to have gone like hero to zero for him, um, for a supposed fan of the football. could go back to hero again, couldn't he? He could, yeah, if he leaves us in the right hands and, and that's what he needs to think about with the offers that are on the table. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, there, there is an awful lot of conflicting information out there at the moment. Um, 
you know, the, the, there's all the all the different ends of the spectrum on down at the Mac about whether we could still go into admin in a few days versus we're going to be taken over by a mega rich American group within the next two days. Like it, it's crazy the amount of stuff that's out there, and and um, and nobody, I guess, because of all the all the confidentiality and all the all the non disclosure stuff, nobody knows what's gospel apart from the people that are in that room negotiating. But it's massive, like. You know, we, we brought Warnock back and everybody was um, was getting excited and rightly so. You, you bring back a fan favourite, it's a good PR move and stuff. But the one thing that we, we all know that we need is a change of ownership because that is what that is what impacts everything. Like in order for a club to start working, um, working efficiently, there's got to be a collective vision. You know, every, the town throughout history have been at their, their best. We felt the most pride towards this club when you really feel like everybody's pulling in the same direction. You know, we saw that under Wagner. Um, these changes can make a massive difference in how people feel about the club. Um, and, and whoever the new ownership are, I hope that there's a lot more transparency from them. Um, we'll have to see what they do in terms of the corporate structuring and how they want to do the management and stuff. But I think it'll have a big impact on the transfer business that we do. Um, it, it's just huge. It's huge. It will feel like we're entering another new era, really. Um, and just got to hope that because it is probably going to be foreign ownership that we're one of the success stories rather than one of the nightmares. Go on, Johnny. You can round us off on. Yeah, I mean, it's like always oh, it says, it's hard to pass too much for opinion. Not knowing, well, really, we don't know any facts, do we? Other than him where they're from if, because it, you can make assumptions you hear bits and pieces information you don't really know what the sources are but yeah again not to echo it again but obviously it is predominantly one person's decision um, I'm, I'm probably more pro pro Dean um, I think it's quite easy to to make an opinion on what's happened more, most recently in history rather than what happened a few years ago and sometimes yeah. that can clarify it so maybe time might um, work in, in, in Dean's favour, but certainly if if the orders come in and do you know I mean over the the first kind of like three, six, nine, twelve months, make the right sounds and make the right actions, that'll only go to, to better his legacy. Um I think I'm still I'm still just surprised that it, it's going through at this this stage. I, I must admit I was quite pessimistic about it. I didn't think it would be sold before the end of the season, purely because there's a scenario where you get Eight million pound, nine million pound more than the other scenario. I find it's hard to, to buy a business not knowing that. So it, it fascinates me that if something is to kind of come to fruition at this stage, um, it, it does show for me um, that both 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 parties are, are interested in buying Huddersfield, not necessarily buying a Championship club. Um, they don't just want a Championship club; they actually specifically want Huddersfield because it it, it makes zero business sense, business sense to buy the club now, um, without understanding if there's some sort of relegation clause or, or payback deals within that there might be I don't know but I think anyone who who um, sticks neck on the line and buys them now um, for me it's an initial tick um, but yeah that that would be my two pair Good uh, I think what we'll do is I asked uh, for a couple of questions on Twitter because I didn't really know how long this would go so we've got a handful uh, there's a nice little video of Neil Warnock talking about Cozzy, which is always fun uh, on social media. Yeah, my um, musket game. I were at that Millwall shopping night game. <laughs> what really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a two story one. 
I thought you were going to go into more detail then, but I, just, I left the, I left a gap then for you to oh, do so. But we'll... want everything that don't remember it. <laughs> don't remember it. He'd had a few too many beers before. Yeah. Singing his heart out of <laughs> 10 points. I think we'll throw this first question to you, Cosy, because uh, I know where he's going. in a Vulcan. Yeah. Get you some uh, Riddlesburg game, man. Yeah, I'm up for that as well. Oh, yeah. Love the Vulcan. Right, so the first question is from Claire Hill. Uh, that says pre-match music currently is 90s themed, but some dubious choices, e.g. Wigfield. She's not a big fan of Wigfield. I've seen her make a complaint about that a couple of times. Uh, and Two Unlimited's No Limits, which is a bit of a David Wagner kind of tune, that, isn't it? Uh, what tunes would you pick and think are apt for this season? I know Cosy's very particular with his brand of music. <laughs> Oh, mate, music's very divisive. We've had, like, at work, we've had a week at Cheltenham where people just had their own music on, and there's been times where I've wanted to strangle people, which is probably not a good idea when you work with other people because you wouldn't be around much longer. But I might get sued. We might get sacked, yeah, possibly. It's a difficult uh, one, that, Matt, but I'm into dance music, mate, so you're always going to get kind of your, your dance stuff from me, but... You're the Kevin and Perry kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to dig it down because we've kind of moved on about moving on, you know, for the season, but... That's one of the things that just kind of synonymous for me at the time that, God, this is going to be really controversially, but the Dizzy Penalties, the 90s music, the place just needs a complete change, man. Uh, Pre-match, you go to some of these grounds in Germany, it's laughable though compared to, sorry, Matt, I've totally turned it around for music. No, no, it's relevant. I think it's relevant. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. this place, Jim, it's incredible. It's like you're at a show and I know... I probably want one like they have at the Rhinos, kind of the floodlight dancing at half time. You'd see it at Wolves. Everyone seems to have it now, don't they? Even some of the NAF grounds in Spain, they have the, the light shows and stuff. But just little things like that, just totally different. I think the Valley's Day, maybe, you know, oh God, if the new owners have got real money and that's so what I'd love Makes to you think that. you're at an event kind of thing rather yeah, than I'd just, see yeah. that screen being either ripped out or made bigger, you know, and made, made to be a real focal point. We can see half time entertainment and we can see the half time highlights as. For the time we did have that, didn't we? I'm sure it was in that uh, season when we went up and that as well. You used to have to see the goals, the replays and stuff. It just, just the old place just is stale and old. And, and I'm just hoping that new life is is breathing on on and off the pitch. And I think I think it can be in that as well because you just you go around the other places and and I get Huddersfield's traditional and the fans like the tradition and a lot of people don't turn up in the ground, me included, probably until about five to three, twenty to eight, depending Guilty. on the night, but. I'd like to see, Matt, you've got a young one, and, and you know what they're like, mate, when you like go to the ice hockey Steelers and stuff, they're not asking much about the pro. They want to see, I don't know, dance cam and all that stuff. But you know what I'm trying to say? It needs... Kiss cam. Yeah. So kiss cam and cash. Job, mate. Unlimited budget. Sorry, Rambo. I'd use you in it. I'd use you in some capacity, mate. But it's uh, things you could do there. When I went to Dusseldorf, it was incredible what they were doing, mate. They were, it were like watching a TV show and a football match at the same time. But rant over, but... Sorry, Claire. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think that's. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Uh, Ollie, you went to. I went to one of the games at the Euros, uh, England, Italy. You went to, I think, Denmark. Did you go to Denmark or Germany? One of the two, or you went to one of the games, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and at Wembley, there was an in-house DJ, wasn't there? And that mm-hmm. was very different. But it actually worked, didn't it, for England uh, during the Euros? That that was an interesting thing. But I think whatever town have musically i think the problem you've got is the sound system shite in the stadium uh, yeah. it's very subtle until i die this isn't it but, yeah. Um, oh, yeah i think the, the problem is really whatever music you're going to stick on the it's going to fall flat because the speakers and everything are, are rubbish around the stadium aren't they so yeah they are there's stuff they could do i think it's man united who let fans pick the pre-match playlist 
It's one of the big clubs that do it anyway, and that's that's interesting. Obviously, everyone's got their own music taste and that, but it does seem to have been the same playlist for years now. Um, From the shambles uh, at WH Smith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I just think that the... Um, for example, as, as Cosy mentioned, sort of games in Germany, I went to watch St. Pauli um, back end of last year, and it's just it's just chalk and cheese, you know, the difference. It, it, it becomes... It becomes more than about the football. Um, it becomes an event. It, it becomes something that you, that you know, regardless of what the result is on the field, you feel like you've had a good day, no matter what. Um, well, to jump in on, but don't you think? Because Matt, we've mentioned it before about getting people to the stadium, stadium bar. But if you had, it's almost like a show now before the kickoff where they were they were showing highlights and interviewing. You'd have discount beer. You know, you could have stuff on the concourse and, and stuff. It'd just be like it'd get you out of the stadium. Whether the English people would. Kind of do that, but it just you, you, yeah. Brighton have a a match day experience, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I went to um, I went to Spurs Milan second leg in the Champions League, and lucky enough the day before to be to be shown around on a bit of a tour. And what they've done is they've engineered every single section of that ground with supporters in mind. And yes, some of them are the prawn, prawn sandwich, you know, your premium sweets and that, but. They've got the longest single bar in Europe from one corner flag to the other on the concourse. They call it the um, the touchline, and uh, they've got fifty staff and they brew their own beer, you know, uh, in the stadium itself. And um, they've got loads and loads of screens up where they actually show the early kickoff and the late kickoff off if they're playing on a Saturday at three o'clock. So they said it's not uncommon for them to have as many as 10, 15,000 fans still in the ground after the game because they're in the bar on the concourse watching the late kickoff. And like that, it's a million, I know it's a billion, it cost them a billion quid to build that place and it's it's probably one of the best stadiums in the world now, but that is a million miles from anything that we have at town. Like you're paying over the odds for crap beer and you're having to wait the entirety of half time to get it. Um, you, you Some people show up late for games you know, people are strolling through turnstiles at five past three because they couldn't be bothered leaving the pub. Um, it's not really a desirable <laughs> place. It's like football for a while has been a really good day out sort of socially with a very inconvenient two hours in between where you actually have to go to the game and, and watch the game, which sounds really negative, but you can do things to change that. They've tried it in the past, but I, I just think that like every club has a fan zone now, don't they? Where you can go and you can go and meet a player who will sign your program for you. It's not really outside the box thinking, is it? Um, hopefully, with the new ownership, if something more concrete happens with the stadium as well, they can do a bit to it and uh, and and make it sort of a home. Because I think fans looked at our place and said that's that's a great stadium architecturally and in terms of the experience that you know it's never really lived up to that has it but i don't know it'd be, it'd be interesting if um, it is the americans because um sport for them is more than just like you say it's more than just what's happening on the pitch certainly um football soccer in, in america is a very strange experience because people don't actually watch the pitch most mm. people are just studying bars around the pitch and certainly like football and nfl and all that kind of stuff it it's mm. more the experience so um, well, I went Burnley away recently. Been there quite a few times, and this now they've all suddenly got a, a, a they've converted a sports hall. They've got an after pitch turf down. They've got benches. You've got big screen. You've got Papa John's. You've got bars. You've got food. You've got stuff going on. 
And that's just happened since they've got American owners because for them, it's why are we doing this? This is weird. It's weird that no one's, so I mean, in and around early. It's weird that people just get, right, game's finished, get out. Um, and Spurs away, like I say, is a fantastic example. They encourage people to stay afterwards. But yeah, we're not going to spend a billion pounds in stadium, but we can, we could still potentially do some, whether we're limited by, do you know what I mean? Red tape. Get that, get that ski slope built. But yeah, <laughs> that'll get it's people definitely, down. Do you know I mean, it's definitely more if you do Huddersfield, it's it's a good town, but it's not. So if you can keep people inside a stadium in London, you can keep people inside a stadium in Huddersfield mm-hmm. quite quite easily. So there's definitely scope there. And it's John, it's been it's been so it's been talked about for a long, long time. They've tried it a few times, they've tried to kind of get a fan zone going and do bits, it's never ever really stuck. Um the best they had was was Canal side. So I mean we'd have people on a Huddersfield town site before game before games and that was something but obviously that that's changed again so they've lost that really um ever since that site went open to the general public so the stuff that can be done probably like I say it's a bit of a, a gray area at the moment isn't it but i think there's an opportunity there for new owners to like say take some boxes nice and early and start like I say start to engage people like i said get people engaged early there's plenty of scope to be doing that absolutely so Hopefully we'll we'll see some, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it is an American owner that that isn't done quickly because they'll see it as a massive opportunity. Yeah, it's massive. It's, it's huge revenue stream for them. I think that they need to change the halftime game as well. Um, I don't know if you remember when they used to park a van in corner at ground and open back doors and you used to have to kick a ball into the back of van from halfway line. Bring that back. That would be better than DC penalties. I think what would put uh, all that again. Sorry, I mentioned Leeds. I don't know. Leeds is not a, a great word in this podcast, but I'm like Zob football. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's good. It is, but it's quite funny when you get opposition fans and it's like, ooh, and who can get past most? I suppose it's a bit similar to Dizzy penalties, but on a similar thing, we just had a tweet about which is the worst away day experience in the championship and how bad would it be in League One? Uh, it's an interesting question, but yeah, worst away day experience. Reading, I, I think Reading in the championship, and the reason I say that is just because Reading's not really... There's a there's a walkabout in the centre, but the ground is, what, like three miles out of the centre? So you're having to get a bus then back to the station or... Coventry's or, saved for that. It's a Coventry's, great oh God. Horrible for it, They like. never rebuilt Coventry after the Blitz, I'm convinced. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible place. Um, but yeah, th- those are pretty bad. Um, I don't know what my favourite is really. I always, I've always quite liked QPR. And that's because it's a London uh, a London thing. Um, and then worst in, in League One... Um, I don't really know. There's a few grounds that I'd need to tick off. It's a bit of a shame that like Forest Green are probably going to go down. Cambridge, we've not played them for for a long time, have we? Um, see, I see. It's interesting. Cause I know. I know you've got you've got um, PTSD because you're with Shrewsbury and teams like that. <laughs> you, keep, <laughs> you always pick out Shrewsbury. If anyone, not that they ever do, but if any Shrewsbury fans listen to our podcast, they'll think like Luton with that vendetta against <laughs> the thing about. Yeah. They'll be playing well, I, I, game next I, year. I, yeah, I categorically don't don't want to go down. So please don't read into what I'm about to say in that sense. I'm not one of people, oh yeah, League One will be fun. It won't be, it'll be a car crash. But I I quite like I quite like the the more intimate little grounds where you're packed in, you you're standing up. So, I mean I quite like that. So mm-hmm. grounds like Accrington and stuff like that, I'd 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 rather be at Accrington than I would be at the Rico or do you know what I mean, the Majeski Stadium and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, 
I don't want to oh, play him. I'd rather, I'd rather them come up and play as in the championship. But I'm, I've, I'm all for little grounds like that. I quite like it. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Because I I've... can't believe how many small clubs there are in League One. I mean, I don't want this to offend anyone, but like Fleetwood are mid-table, Cheltenham, Burton, um, yeah. Port Vale, Accrington, Morecambe. These are all two clubs. There's, there's a top. There's a top eight who are. Do you know what I mean? Your Derby, Sheffield United, Ipswich, Plymouth, and it, just, it drops. Yeah. And they are then quite... Said, yeah. I mean, we're obviously going to lose to Burton at home again next season. Now, I've said that. But I don't want it to sound disrespectful, but those are all what you'd consider, like, growing up, they've always been League Two clubs for me. So, it'd be interesting, uh, be an interesting tour if we go down, if we go down there. Um, yeah. I think the I'm trouble not... is, Ollie, the game, to me now, it's like, I suppose under the new one... Oh, I hope we stay up, obviously, but it's like people are going to be out for us out there and, and stuff. We'd have to have a team that can be street fighters. And obviously, we want to see good football as well, which League One, can you really do that? Yeah. Wednesday fan I know is he's loving the season. They're going up, but he says it's absolutely dire. You, you get him 1-0 one, one wins, and I know you, you can say, well, that's how teams go up like that. But it's like, it's there's so much to factor in. And, and again, suppose tickets and how much you would kind of get and, and stuff. But it's really weird, isn't it? It's like memories. You keep there's a there's a train of thought. Well, we've been there before, you know. We and I didn't like mind it like kind of John said some of the the grounds and stuff like accurate in a way. But when you remember when we were there before, but in a game that mattered, Malvin Kamara and we had a team an embarrassing, wasn't it that day? And we we got I think two late goals in the cup or whatever. Well, wasn't it even the league in that cup? When it I don't think we played them in the in the league. Cup, yeah, yeah, that comeback. Yeah, it's like you say, Johnny, the big gap is top eight with like kind of stadium similar championship. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of solo streams and some characters. But I guess that's the difference, the massive difference between league one and championship. You've got that's why if you get promoted there, it's a good promotion, I think, because you've it's got just, that, you've got your street fighting. It's strange, isn't it? Because the, the teams that you would consider to probably be too big for League One on paper are the ones who've gone down and, and struggled to bounce back immediately. You know, like Ipswich, Charlton, Wednesday are going to go yeah, up, but Charlton. in the second attempt, Derby, we'll see about them. And then it, it's Rotherham and Wigan, who every time they've yeah. gone down have bounced straight back up. It's, it's strange, is that? Um, I think it shows how much experience at that level matters because, as you say, every game's just a dogfight, isn't it? It's yeah. who wants it more down there, really. The, the People have uh, selective memories as well when it comes to League One. They think about the... You know the the season when we were putting five and six past teams, and and they forget that um, that there the were a existed. lot. Of... Another thing as well, Ollie. I was watching that uh, football league thing today that the Plymouth Saturday United. The pitches in the league were horrendous. There, there were mm-hmm. a game at Port Vale yesterday. Again, I keep going about them, but it were it were embarrassing. It was like a plough field, and, and yeah, it's, there's that to contend with as well. There's so much to factor in a relegation that I just don't want to. I just don't want it to happen. But if we'd have had this podcast last week, I went on it, but I'd have been like, it's happening. But we've got a bit of hope. But oh, it's on a knife edge, man. We just asked Where'd you get to Cos with these questions? We just asked the one about the championship, the away day in League One, what it means. So we kind of. Oh, just, the, way, you know, the, worst, the worst away game experience in championship. Yeah, so um, about how many points we'll need. But I think that's such a tough one to answer because, you know. More like, than usual. Yeah, the stuff of the points. Uh, you know, deductions and stuff, it sounds like, again, that's going to come at an end yeah. soon, and it? So Birmingham and, and Reading, but I just think, I think we need four wins. Uh, yeah, I do. Four 12, wins. Yeah. yeah. 12, four points. But, what, how many is Birmingham supposed to be getting? 
Oh, points off. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. No know idea. I mean, uh, I know we read in it. It would put them three points above us, and then um, if we sort of match their record between now and the end of the season, it could be that that last game against Reading is uh, do or die. But well, no, it's all our goal differences. Our goal differences crap, though, isn't it? That's uh, <clears throat> we got Blackpool to... putting six past a team. It's just like... then they get beat the Coventry. This like I... maybe yeah. to round it off, Matt. Just kind of that tweet that I said last night with about if we get out of it, how. Would it compare? Because you bloody hell, I went on fire with that tweet. I thought, hey, I've got it spot on. And then you brought out that Ian Ross, Mick Buxton season. Which 92, was, 93, mate. Incredible, yeah. that. To me, this if we could skipped out of this, it would feel somewhat sensational. I remember Birmingham do it under Lee Clark. I remember they looked doomed. And I would go to this. Oh, yeah. But that season, when I can't remember we were last day, but everyone like Birmingham got out of it. But to me, I don't like giving stuff up, but it's felt like we'd been down for a little bit. But So if we got out of it at this stage, I... It would, it'd almost like rival a promotion for me. It would feel like it, and plus with the new owners. But I don't know what you guys feel. It's hard to compare seasons and apples and pears sometimes. But I just feel with Warnock and, and the state of the club and the squad and everything chucked in, I just think if we stopped up, it would be, it'd be pretty sensitive with a run in. It'd be sensational, man. It'd be as I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. I think it's more than just on the pitch, it's off the pitch as well, isn't it? It's everything that happened last year, it's everything that's happened this year, off the field, on the field. But I can, when, when were we last out of the bottom three? Like, at, yeah, at, after beating time. Rotherham, was it? I think. I think four mm. games. Have we been I don't in think we, I, I think we... Yeah. I, I, I know, I don't know where we were. I think yeah. uh, I, I, the, the most points adrift we've been is six, in it? So, um, the that of course will have been more dramatic escapes in terms of teams that have been 10 points and, and what have you. But as you say, it's just the feeling around it, isn't it? We, we, it's we've been such a... Season, but that started November, December, that, and we were got good players in. It felt like we were getting there January, February then, but this is different. It felt like we're dead in March and mm. to get out of it. We probably still won't, I'm going to be honest, but... Uh... Let's see, yeah. It's fun, isn't yeah, it? so that 92-93 season, because it start of March 93, we were in bottom place. In, in what's now League One, we were bottom. Uh, and then we won 12 of our last 16 games to finish 15th. <laughs> incredible. It was incredible. That that run was ridiculous. And I mentioned it on Twitter, but there was 20th of March 1993, we pasted Blackpool 5-2 at home. And I remember Ian Uris going with a diving header. And I was quite very, very young at that point. And... I couldn't go to the game because I don't think any of my relatives were going and I sat in the car and listened to it outside my great-grandma's um, on the Pulse or Radio Leeds, whatever it was on, and in bit bit of disbelief uh, that we'd stuck five past uh, Blackpool. Um, but yeah, happy memory from 30 years ago. 30 years ago tomorrow, or today, if you listen to the podcast yeah. today. So, wow. Happy, yeah. happy days. I, I mean, there's no game this week, but... I think it's just going to be a big week for the club. It feels like summer. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, if something happens, then we might do an emergency spaces or pod. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But um, I think you've asked all the questions. Have you? I think have you asked the Hoggy one as well? No, not should, the Hogg one. Should yeah. Jonathan Hogg bother with a testimony after the palaver of this season? Uh, yes, is my opinion. If he gets one, because that's ten years, isn't it? Um, yeah. I don't think he should. That should change whether it's a good season or a bad season. I think ten years is ten years. Yeah, a good um, servant to the club. Yeah, uh, and do you think realistically that we could beat Middlesbrough when they're doing so well? Uh, it's unlikely, no. but yes, we could. Who knows? Football, mate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Need a bit of fog, don't we? We need a fog and Danny Ward just hitting him from thirty yards and just up for best again. Yeah, uh, and Alan Lee bundling everything in. Yeah, the, the thing that'll go for us and maybe against us, I think, because we've got we're managed by Neil Warnock, 
I think teams are, are going to have that in the back of their mind, which, you know, maybe I could be totally wrong, but I think because they had him before and he kept them up that season when they were doomed pretty much as well. And obviously, I think he's going to want to get over one. I think it ended acrimoniously there, didn't it? And uh, so he's going to want to call up as proper red double. Yeah, he's got Middlesbrough and Sheffield United to come here and he's going to be quite yeah. excited for both you know what's funny? When they were getting beat today, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll bring Sheffield United on, but obviously they turn it around. And But again, it's... Why not, eh? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I mean, if that becomes the penultimate game, now they're in semi-finals and our home game will be moved against them, they might already be up. So it might be a bit of a... Might be on beach. Anticlimax, yeah. I think that's probably a good a yeah. good place to finish, isn't it, for this week? So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Magic Rook for sponsoring. Thanks to Ollie, Johnny and Cosmo Ceratops. And uh, we might not be back next week because there's no game, but uh, if there's any movement on the takeover stuff, we may... Uh, do something special so um, thanks again and thanks so much at Rock and we'll see you later yes. there's a team that is dear to its followers Colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all the while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily And every goal shall be a memory so town play up and bring that car back to Huddersfield So town play up and bring the car back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.